Hello and welcome to another episode of Tip Manor Podcast. I was going to open the pod today, as I said to John in the car on the way to Fleetwood, with a nice Australian accent. But I suppose it wouldn't have been very appropriate given we just lost the ashes, but it was mainly going off the last pod, the Zootar stuff. But that's all gone now. I'm not in the mood. But I have a pint of coffee. I've had a screaming child in my ear for the last two hours and I'm ready to go. So chaps, who have we got on today's pod? Before we start, Connor has uh, handed in a sick note a couple of hours before we've started. Um, does anyone want to start a vicious rumour about what he's doing? I just want yeah. to blacklist him, blacklist him straight away. Well, I heard it wasn't actually a sick note. It was uh, He was handing in a transfer request. I don't know whether that's Ooh. true or not, but... Is he off to the fence end? <laughs> Is he? Oh, he has spoken about setting up a... Uh, an island um, exiles groups, so and maybe he's going to start his own podcast. Oh, yeah. Has he mentioned that on the pod? Do people know uh, that that's a thing? I don't think mm. he's mentioned it actually on the pod. I think he might. we might have spoken about it in our, our pre or post uh, banter. But Okay. Basically, for anyone listening that cares, Connor's going off to Ireland. Is it the Ulster? I think it's Ulster University. He's doing a a PhD, and is football-related. So hopefully when he joins us in the future, he can talk a bit more about that. Before we get on to who's on the pod, we've got, a, as we always do, a busy show today. So so we'll talk through the news, what's been going on, the transfer window shut since the last pod for League 1 and League 2 teams. Uh, we'll quickly summarise the Norwich under-21s game. Uh, me and John were at Fleetwood, so we'll be talking a bit about that. The League 1... Well, what happened in League One over the weekend, we'll talk through that. We'll preview Tranmere, uh, which feels a million miles away at the moment. That's next Saturday. We'll obviously have our Andy Dent section, and Ben is going to wrap us up with probably an extremely laggy but fun quiz. So, there we go. Right, should we get straight into it, lads? Actually, no, I need to... I forgot. This is what I mean, you see. I'm tired and my mind's everywhere. Who is on the pod? Andy, you've already said things. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Not too bad. Busy weekend. Uh, bit, bit DIY. I was a bit of a DIY god this weekend. Um, good. Doing family stuff. Uh, obviously, kept up to speed with the uh, the game yesterday. Uh, so, yeah, not not a bad weekend all in all. Apart from so the result, obviously. Were you doing DIY as you were listening to the game? Uh, no, I, yeah, I was. I had some uh, family commitments yesterday, so I didn't. Uh, I didn't do good. the DIY today. Today's been full of DIY. Okay, I was going to say that's a good thing. Anyway, you might have been hammering things into <laughs> your fifth nails or whatever. <laughs> um, John, how's it going? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Ready, ready to go. Missing the uh, sea air of Fleetwood, but we can always go back. Yeah. Well, we can talk through our lovely journey. It was lovely. Um, when we get into the Fleetwood section. Ben, how's it going? Yeah, not bad, thanks. What do, I was going to ask what you have for dinner, but guys, I've, I've been in such a rush that I've had Cheerios for dinner today. Um, That's embarrassing. <laughs> That's embarrassing. <laughs> I, I literally was scrambling. I was either soup or Cheerios, and I was like, I can't even be asked to put something on the hob. So I'm going to just go for Cheerios. But I had a, I had a proper Sunday roast earlier, so there you go. Well, let's get into it then. Yeah, let's get into it. Where's the magical Mario Kart intro thing? 
Good evening, I'm Andy Wilmer and this is the Tut Manor News. Uh, we'll crack straight on with it. Obviously, transfer window shut uh, for Leagues 1 and 2 on Monday, uh, Monday the 2nd of September. We'll touch on a few of the, the transfer dealings, sort of last minute things that we did. Um, obviously, if you haven't heard already, Tony McMahon has left the club by mutual consent. Um, I don't think that'll come as a shock to anybody. I think it was more a shock that he came back. To be honest, um, do, do we think he'll get a? Has he got a club? Has anyone seen? Uh, no, sure. I haven't. I haven't seen anything. Uh, but to be honest, it, I'm not one of those fans that kind of keep tabs on players when they leave the club. Uh, obviously, the likes of Kamar Roof and the, the more high-profile players kind of just crop up anyway. But he's kind of a bit of a grey man, isn't he? And uh, uh, where where was he last? He was at Berry last season, wasn't he? Scun for oh, no, yeah. okay. Oh no, it was yeah. He hasn't gone anywhere yet. I was, I just put McMahon in, and it came up with obviously Vince McMahon from WWE. <laughs> and I've, just, I've given up from there. Yeah, no, I don't think he's gone anywhere. I think he's quite. He's he's quite. Uh, he's at the, the other end of the age spectrum in terms of players, isn't he? So I would be surprised if he finds a, another League Two or League One club but yeah good luck to him um i know he had a difficult season last season so yeah good luck wherever he ends up um uh transfers in uh, obviously a winger osama zamori is that how we somewhat pronounce it osama zamori osama osama zamori I can't say it's Osama because it sounds too much like Osama bin Laden. So yeah, I think it's I think it's uh, Osama. Well, let's go with Osama Zamori. Um, obviously, he's joined the club um, with initial deal running until January. Didn't sound much like he was fit based on his yellow player interview. Um, it's it's a, one of those strange ones. We've had a couple of strange ones in. I think um, he's a 23 year old, obviously Dutch Moroccan forward. Scored nine times um, in his thirty games for S three. Uh, Doidrich, Doidrich, Dortrecht. Uh, yeah. Uh, pardon my French. Um, my Dutch, my, my Dutch is great. Dutch, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no. Um, so yeah, he's obviously he's been playing for the Dutch second division last season. Um, obviously attracting the attention of several clubs um, in the Netherlands top flight. Um, as well as clubs in Belgium and Portugal, obviously chose to come here. Um, sounded as though he wanted to get into the obviously the English game. Um, no idea how much he's going to feature. Um, we'll just have to see. It's probably going to take him a, a couple of weeks to get up to speed. Um, but any thoughts on that? It's a bit of an odd. I just based on our squad looking quite strong with quite a lot of depth and our bench at the moment. It's just going to be interesting to see where he feeds in. It, like I imagine he'll end up playing in one of the um, whatever the competition's called trophy games, and then it, it seems like that has to be the stepping stone to get in the team. But we'll have to see. You'd have, yeah, you'd have we'll to see. assume he's um, one of the players that KR had scouted over there in earlier on in the season. But he's one of those that if the team's not particularly doing well, you can't really throw him in because it's. You know, it's exactly throwing him into the deep end. So I can't see how he's going to feature that much with the team doing how it is at the minute. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a bit of an odd one. Um, I must have missed this one, actually. But obviously, young midfielder Fabio Sol uh, has joined joined us from uh, Reading, having been released uh, from his scholarship. 
Um, obviously, will yeah. I think he's an he's one of those. It's a bit cliche, but I guess he's one for the future. Um, we'll see how he gets on. Mm-hmm. And here is another another strange one. Obviously, Cash Siddiqui um, has joined uh, with a player set to play a key role for the club as a player and ambassador. Um, he's uh, he set up a charity that aims to help stamp out racism across football. Um, <clears throat> I mean, yeah, I don't really know what to make of that. I think he's been he's, he's been at Northampton, hasn't he, in the past? But I think he's been focusing mainly on his on, on the. Um, charity side of things, I think it's a bit of a, a, a PR stunt. That's probably a clever, clever PR stunt, uh, marketing stunt from the club. Um, it, it's going to get the club, the club's name out there, which I think is is probably one of the aims. Of, well, they've said it's one of their aims is to make the, the club a, a sort of global brand. So I think he's he's going he's going to go out on loan to an Indian team, I believe. I think once yeah. I, I watched his i his i follow. Um, video. I think it's going out on loan to an Indian team. So, um, again, I'm guessing, I'm, I'm guessing we'll be funding a load of that type of stuff. And like you said, I we, there was a lot of good kind of press, and a lot of fans seemed really happy that we were kind of obviously putting that forward. Um, it's kind of sponsoring him to an extent. It was a bit strange we gave him a shirt and all that stuff, but you know. <laughs> I think it's, it's more it's more from the business side of things rather than the football. It's um, it's probably a clever move. Um, Sykes, um, I know, sort of last time we spoke, he was he'd, he'd been put up on the um, he'd been put up for loan, um, but he's he's obviously not ended up going out on loan. Um, but then he didn't even start against. Uh, I don't know. He had some game earlier in the week, but he didn't start that one. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Is is there a potential issue with his attitude or something? in the background that we obviously don't see. Um, I guess it's, it's a strange one. Um, uh, yeah, it, it's not worth well, like throwing, I don't know, like it's, it kind of creates a rumor out of nothing, but it does seem strange. And um, whenever KR mentions um, Sykes as well, there's kind of a undertone. I don't know if I'm really like looking too much into it, but it feels like there's an undertone there. Um, for the reason why he's not getting into the squad. You again, like Saturday at Fleetwood, he would offer for me, he would offer us more of an option. If he's still if he's sticking around, and I do think he should go out on loan, but if he's sticking around, he would have been a good option off the bench based on what he did at the end of last season. So it's a bit weird. Yeah, it's a bit strange. I think he's probably been given a a chance to prove himself by Carl Robinson. Um and I, I don't know. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that we as fans don't see. So maybe that's something to do with it. Obviously, he missed out the game on um, the, the trip to Fleetwood along with Bed, uh, Ben Woodburn, who was away with Wales, and Nico Jones, also on an international duty um, with the Republic of Ireland under 18s. And uh, we've had three senior players selected off for international duty. Um, Baptiste, I think, has been selected for the Granada national team. No, I think what it was was that if I think KR was saying in the media that even if we had had three players um, called up, that's the amount you need to call off a game, essentially. But he was saying even if Baptiste had been called up to Granada, he hasn't obviously played for a while. He's been injured. Um, I think he's only played made one appearance for him. Then he said he wouldn't have called off the game regardless because you'll just end up with you know, fixture traffic at the kind of in January or February where, and that's something you you don't want to be making that trip on a Tuesday night to Fleetwood. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, it's a very sensible call. Yeah. 
And then, um, obviously, the five-minute forum, it was Zaki's turn this week, and I know there's been a lot of um, positive things said about Zaki on social media, about his openness and his social media presence. Um, obviously, it's various different questions asked. Um, I think he's the only London-based board member. Um, obviously, the rest are international, uh, but he's, he said, obviously, he attends most games home and away. Uh, the question was asked about the stadium. Uh, again, it seems to be a regular occurrence. So depending on who it is, they seem to get this question asked. He said there is a plan. Um, they are working on things. Um, we all know the current situation isn't sustainable um, and the club isn't sustainable. I don't think they've ruled out the option of purchasing a stadium, but I think everyone would probably want to buy a piece of land and build a stadium on that, um, which I think he said was the, the preference as well. Um, as I mentioned earlier, he he and the rest of the board want to obviously make Oxford United into a global brand. Obviously, the university schools, businesses, um, clever merchandising and sponsorships. I think probably T Sundai was probably part of that last season. Um, I, I can't think of any other reason from being brought in. Um, that was weird. It was weird. Um, where did he? Isn't he at Wolves now? I completely forgot about that. Uh, I think he went to Wolves, but then went on on loan, didn't he? Not but sure. some it was floated around that we got a big sum of money. Through. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it was about five. I'm sure somebody said it was like half a million or something. But whether that's true or not, we don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. No, <laughs> not sure. But it, it was a strange one, nonetheless. Um, Coming back to the stadium, they need to find a way of kind of bedding this down, really, because it's an issue that's going to, it's not going to be solved tomorrow or the week after. And we can't have it every single time the five minute forum is what's happening with the stadium. You need to find a way of saying, this is what our timelines are, and this is what our targets are, because it's going to take such a long time to solve. And I find yeah. it quite frustrating, really. Mm, I think the issue, yeah, the issue is the, the, the price tag that Feroz Kazam has put on the stadium. I'm sure I've heard. It, he was still valuing it around 13 million the last time we'd inquired and it's never worth that it might be worth that to him because he wants to build housing on it but as a as a piece of uh, i don't know as an asset it's never worth 13 million no, it's what's beneath it that's absolute interest and sam's got us where exactly where he wants us there's there's no reason for him the land is absolutely worth holding on to and we're the byproduct I think the most plausible option for me anyway, if it was me in that situation, I think you just, unless somebody's willing to stump up the money to buy that stadium, is let the lease run its, its course, we won't renew it, and then we're free to do what we want. Obviously, within that time, when you get to the end of that lease, you're going to want to start purchasing a piece of land and start building a stadium. But I think that's probably the most plausible um, option, unless Kazam is willing to sort of budge and, and be reasonable with his sort of demands but at the end of the day he's a businessman he wants to make money on the the thing that he's put his money into so um although a lot of people think he's the scum of the earth he is just a businessman and he wants to get uh, as much return for his investment as he can so cool any more news uh, there yeah i think i've read something about some news co- oh, i think it's part of the five minute forum actually news coverage of our games in indonesia due to one of our board members i can't remember what the name of the guy is there what there is a guy based out there who has he has shares in a tv company or he owns a tv company he, um thought here he's in indonesia Thorhe, yeah yeah i uh, say so i thought it was the other one there's another guy who came in at the end of last season who he 
Oh yeah, yeah. I he, know he, has, he has shares in a in a TV company or a, a media company. So I think I can't remember what his name is, but I think it's either Thor here or that guy. So can you can you picture that news program where it's like today on the news, local woman <laughs> is arrested for da 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 da, and Oxford United. I just <laughs> Jamie Mackey misses another sitter. Oh, interesting. <laughs> um, right. So yeah, that's the news. Right, so we played Norwich on Tuesday in the Super Duper Paint Shop Surprise Trophy, um, so we can whiz through this pretty quickly. I think we'll talk at the right at the end of this section about um, people's thoughts on this competition, but we'll try and wrap it up. Well, I guess we'll have a minute each maybe to do that, otherwise we'll go on all night. Um, so we started with, obviously, much a much-changed team. Stevens coming in, uh, Massinho and Dickey pairing as centre-backs, a Burko and Long as full-backs, Baptiste and Hansen holding, and then Ford, Fosu and Hall um, behind Ajay, who, I've said that wrong, haven't I? Everyone everyone on Fleetwood on Saturday, there was a lot of pissed guys behind us just going, Aggie, bring Aggie on! But I'm pretty sure it's not Aggie. It's Ad- so, Adji, I think he said in his Adji. eyes. Yeah, Adji, with, like, with it's a D, so Adji, Dan, Dan so, Adji. There was a lot of hype from everyone about Aji starting this game. Um, he, I think he met, had one kind of chance throughout where he kind of worked himself some space and got a, a shot off, which was good. But otherwise, he was pretty anom- anonymous. But I think that's just generally how the team played for two-thirds of the game. So nothing happened first half. Got into the second half, Norwich kind of split the defence with a low central ball uh, midway as I said, midway through the half. And um, the guy, the young, obviously the young lad, just slid it past Stevens. It was a good finish. And then we just brought on Sykes, Brannigan and Lofthouse pretty swiftly one after the other. Um, Lofthouse making his first senior appearance after impressing in preseason. And then the tide kind of turned and Brannigan scored a really, really strange goal direct from an uncontested drop ball after play was stopped for a head injury for Dickey. Um no one seemed to complain afterwards. And when you watch the highlights, I was kind of going, why isn't, why aren't the Norwich players kind of kicking off? But I, I don't know. I had to go and look at the rules. So do you guys know the rules, the new drop ball rules? It was part of the kind of big rule changes that were brought in in the summer. So I'm going to read this off, guys. This is this is official, official stuff. So drop balls can no longer be contested. If players stopped, the ball will be dropped to a player on the team that last touched the ball and where they touched it. All other players must be four and a half yards away. And what that means is if a team's attack is stopped, they'll get the ball back in that position instead of the opponents just booting the ball down the field. Um, if the player stopped in the penalty area, it'll be returned to the keeper, even if the attacking team had the ball. Um, and then there was a funny bit at the end. I, I would recommend watching a clip on this. So another big change is... Um, if a drop ball is awarded, if the ball hits the referee. So a drop ball is awarded if a ball hits the referee um, and goes to the other team as a result, or if the referee accidentally scores a goal. And that the latter is something that actually happened in the Dutch fourth division a week before the law change. Um, maybe we should tweet that out on the back of this pod so people can have a look at it. It is fantastic. I wish the ref actually celebrated, but there you go. Um, so Brannigan not quick feet and just got a shot off from the edge of the box it was a good finish that was on 77 minutes and then Baptiste um, I'm guessing most people have seen the clip of this but a 
a really, really good finish, a sexy goal, um, rising kind of and bending into the far corner. So it's great to, for him to get off the mark. The more interesting thing, and me and John were talking about some of this stuff. So KR's reaction after the game, rather you would you would assume the kind of update would be just 30 seconds to a minute of KR talking after this game, but it was five, six minutes on yellow player. Um, when asked about Dan, um, Ajay, Aji kind of providing a different option, KR said there's something kind of frustrating in that he doesn't have the flair that you really want in the final third, but he does have power, determination and pure speed to ask a different question. I thought that was interesting. Um, I'm hoping Dan doesn't listen to that. <laughs> but I wouldn't want someone telling me that I have no flair after my my debut of playing 60 minutes. I don't know what you guys think. He's, he's gone against what he's talked about in the, the need for a pacier alternative option up front. And that is exactly what Dan Hadji offers. And it's a bizarre thing to say. As you say, the players will pick up on it. So I, it just felt bizarre. And as we've all touched on, something doesn't quite seem right about, about the signing. But in theory, he's a young player who's very quick and we do need that option Regardless of whether he exists flair or not, there is a time where you just need to play it in certain places and someone who's quick can run onto it. So I just found it a quite bizarre comment to make. Yeah. He also then went on to talk about Baptiste. And I remember him doing this with um, Napa when he first came in. Um, but he said Baptiste is a multi-million pound midfielder. He has everything he needs to carve a great career out for himself. And then he... KR just went on to talk a load about all the other promising youth players. I think I've heard this in about 10 different interviews now, but he talks about all the other youth players that have been brought through Oxford, uh, which is all good stuff. Talking about Ledson Roof, Rob Hall, when he was in his prime, Bulldog coming across and that type of stuff and saying, again, Oxford is a platform for players and we should be proud that Baptiste is here now, expecting he'll go on for, to better things. But just intro, I just don't think Baptiste has played enough first-team football to be... And as same with Napa, but I know Napa's been injury. You know he's been really injury prone. He's had some really bad things going on, but it's still just an interesting one. I thought he might learn to relax some of that. Um, he then said Kevin Burko, who was the left back that we we pulled across from Chelsea, uh, did some crazy things tonight. But that's part of his development. And I put um a note for myself to say insert confident looking photo of mr burko post-match here after hearing that but i mean i'm kind of talking in a bad tone about kr i just found the whole thing a bit bizarre but well, he's, he's picking players there he's, he's kind of saying it's okay for burko to do some crazy things but that's all part of his development but as he's getting singled out for for not being able to do certain things in times he sounds like he's pitching for a job you know look how many players come through oxford and baptiste is the next one I mean, scouts are all are out there from all sorts of teams, but you don't see the need to alert everyone that you've got this potential player that's going to be so good. Baptiste, as you say, hasn't played that much football, so we should be looking to keep him for one, two seasons as a minimum. He's clearly good, but he's had a long-term injury, and we'll talk more about how he played against Fleetwood. So there's, there's a lot more to come, but but why hype him up? Just keep him, yeah. keep him grounded. Baptiste did do an interview after the game, and I have to say he has a fabulous voice. It is a beautiful voice, and I'd highly recommend everyone goes and listens to it. We should all sound like Shandon by the sounds of it. Yeah, we'll get him on the pod, maybe. We'll get some extra listens in for that. Um, Ben, what do you think about this competition? Well, it's all about the money. It's it's extra prize money for the clubs, um, but it makes a mockery of the league system. Um, 
I think it's 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 the Premier League dangling the money carrot, and understandably, given what's happened recently, the the league clubs have no option but to take it in a way. I know they did a vote uh, a year after this was first started. This particular version of it with the academy teams. Um, I know several clubs voted against it. I think we may have even voted against it continuing, but the Premier League increased the prize money, and it was voted through. Uh, if if that prize money wasn't there, we wouldn't be having this competition. It's that simple. That's a good summary, to be fair. Andy, any other views on it? Uh, yeah, I've touched on it uh, on, on previous pods, but it's just a farce. It's it's everything that's wrong with the EFL and football in general. Like We all know the money that's involved in some of the transfers today. Um, I, don't, I don't personally agree with it. I don't think a player is worth... 80 million, for, for example, 8 million pounds. And it's just another, like Ben says, it's just another carrot being dangled in the, in the faces of low league teams. Um, I've never, I haven't, I haven't listened to a game. I haven't watched a game. I haven't paid any interest to any of the games. I didn't go to the Wembley final when we played Coventry. Um, and until obviously club stopped voting to, to carry on with the current um, format, I won't, have anything to do with it i think it's it just no yeah john anything to add no not really in terms of the competition i i just tend to view it as we're continually at oxford in transition of establishing new teams new players new combinations so it's it's extra games that we can be playing to build partnerships and our general squad Uh, i agree with both what ben and andy have said about the whole competition as as itself so i i just view it purely as here's another game for us to get time to develop the team without too much pressure on it right should we talk about the league game so i've done a lot of talking john do you want to kick us off in terms of fleetwood we had a nice drive up we got our sat now froze didn't it and then we we kind of had ended up kind of going towards Lancaster um, <laughs> and then coming through the, the, ni- the most quaint country roads and the nice, we saw the nicest BP garage I think I've ever seen. So, so neither of us had done Fleetwood before and had been told by many people in our WhatsApp group that we were effectively going to be going to Mordor or something <laughs> worse than that. And actually because of our cock up on the sat nav, we ended up going through the posh bit of North Blackpool. So it was actually all, what does everyone worrying about and so we didn't really see the problem um i think getting into the game i mean it's actually a really, really nice stadium as well i thought for fleetwood and both of us were obsessed with how nice the pitch was it was one of those where yeah. you turn up and the cliche comes out this is a pitch where you'd want to play football on and in theory the players we've got should have looked at that and gone here we go this is a chance to, to play particularly well but it kind of went downhill quite quite rapidly i mean i always thought that fleet would be would be a team that we would struggle with they've got some seriously good players and they they showed that but i think this was really poor from a footballing perspective overall wouldn't you said james yeah it was i don't remember the last time i walked away so disappointed in the actual quality of football on the deck it was just yeah I think the the one thing that I kept saying and the, the repetition in the first half of all of our possessions seemed to be about kind of around the back line, which is a theme we've talked about before. 
And it just seemed like Dickey was the playmaker of the team. And we weren't, you know, they were quickly closing down Gorin and um, Brannigan, who were the, in the two holding positions. And it was just, yeah, we j- it meant that we just only had space at the back and that's where we had all our possession. And the long ball just doesn't work. And as we kept saying, Mackey isn't a player that's going to win a lot of headers. And often he wasn't even challenging for him because it got to a point where he was like, why bother this was it Zutar? Good old Zutar. I don't um, think Zutar was actually playing. Was he not? They Unfortunately. Had a, they had a tall centre-back who just was winning everything. Maybe, and it got to the maybe point. he was. Yeah. But, Bloody galah. <laughs> I, I just thought that formation got got worked out very quickly and they pressed the two guys who were in theory going to control the game in Brannigan and Gorin. And we just ended up standing off them lack of urgency, not fluid, not not offering options to each other. And, you know, it's hard to do in away games at times, which can start at 20 miles an hour. But, but you said it after 20 minutes that a goal is coming. And it was it was very clear to see that they pressed us well. And in the second half, that dropped off. But they came out of the blocks and they've, they've got some good players. The two, their two centre mids, Dempsey and Coots, were absolutely outstanding, I thought, throughout the game. But in terms of the way that we were trying to, we just didn't adapt to anything what they were throwing at us at all. No, the the shape of the team was called into question a few times. It seemed to be evolving through the game. But um, the first thing of note was that Baptiste started on the left as well. And straight away, we're kind of going, I guess that's kind of exciting. I'm happy Baptiste is starting, but, you know, he should really be playing in a midfield or a central role based on what we've seen from him before. I know he has played in some kind of cup or, smaller games out in that position but nothing of note came from that um, he kept getting the ball and he had no one out going outside him to pass to so yeah. he was dribbling every time he got trying to dribble every time he got the ball when he was 60 yards from goal and, and didn't seem to be able to square to give it off to Gorin or Brannigan so he just ended up losing the ball and falling over quite a lot and just didn't look fit no. as well. That was the other thing. After 20 minutes, it was really obvious that he probably shouldn't have started the game and we persisted with it. And the thing is, he wasn't positive going forward. He wasn't playing kind of on the back line of Fleetwood at any point in time whatsoever. He was more supporting Ruffles. Um, and then also he got done about... Again, I, I love Baptiste, and I'm sure when he's fully fit, he's going to be a massive asset for us. But he got done about five or six times within a 10 or 15-minute period just from people just running, not even with a trick, just people just kind of running past him. Um, so, it'll be yeah, it, I, I was really concerned that we didn't look to make a change with Fosu on the bench a bit earlier on or even, you know, potentially bringing Moose or Hansen on and changing the shape a bit earlier, but... Yeah, it was frustrating. The the other thing um, we, is worth mentioning. Trevor Kettle was the ref, and there's a lot of kind of build up for wherever Mister Kettle goes these days. And he he does have the longest arms I've ever seen of a ref. Um, <laughs> but he, one of those things you see outside selling um garages, you know, with a sort of blowing in the wind things. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of puns that you can talk about with Trevor as well, like the game hit boiling point, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Ha ha ha. But he was getting so much abuse because he's like a celebrity ref from our fans early on. There was a lot of people that were just completely smashed in the ground as well. <laughs> you could tell they'd been on the piss in Blackpool all day. Um, but their first goal, there was kind of, it, it, again, obviously it was a set piece. We don't like them. 
Uh, it was kind of cleared out, got to the edge of the box. Baptiste, and I've watched this back a few times now, John, we were saying we need to watch it back. It's kind of like a 50-50 challenge. They both got um, hands on each other's shirts, in my opinion. And their player, uh, what's his name? Paddy Madden, who all seems to score against us now, um, was quickest to react after the ball came back off the post. But if you look at the reaction of our players compared to Mr. Madden, it's absolutely insane. I don't know, John, have you watched that back now? I've watched it back and I looked at it and thought, if we come out with these cliches at times about how the game's going a bit soft in times, that was two players both doing the same to each other, grappling for it, and their guy just wanted it a bit more. So, yeah, you, you could have given it as a foul and other parts in the pitch, maybe it would be given as a foul. I, I didn't think so. So it was a fair enough goal. But as you say, we were absolutely static and Madden did what, what he does very well and, and put it away. Yeah. Have you chaps managed to catch up on any of the highlights, Andy? Yeah, I've watched... Um... I haven't had the chance to watch the full game back, but I've watched the extended highlights, and I just think certainly for that goal, it's easy to say, well, Baptiste has been thrown on the floor, but I think the bigger picture is that nobody was interested in it. Obviously, as soon as they're probably into the into the box, you want to be getting somebody onto the line, and nobody, everybody seemed to be lined up on the six-yard box, and mm-hmm. honest, and and. and Baptiste was thrown on the floor. The ball went forward, and I saw and Gorin kind of he shook, and it was like he'd just woken up, and then he started running towards the ball. By that time, it's far too late, and that seemed to be a theme throughout the match. Nobody seemed interested. We weren't getting to any of the second balls. Passes were going just astray without any thought to them, and it, it just seemed it just felt uh, that we weren't up for it. We weren't interested. I know it's probably ne- it's probably not the case that we were never up for it, but it just didn't seem to be any sense of urgency or passion in the, in the team. No, you're spot on, Andy. That's that's what we talked about throughout the game a number of times, that they're sort of, I think, James, you said it, being on their feet, just that general energy and dynamism wasn't there. Fleetwood had that and we didn't. Yeah, it was, it was mega frustrating. It always is as a fan when you don't see that sense of urgency in the team. And even when we went 2-1 down with, what, like five, ten minutes left at the end... The players were, we had throw-ins in good positions. The players weren't on their toes making runs, trying to skip away from defenders. It was just difficult to watch and it didn't look like we were going to, we were bothered about losing, which is, you know, a sad state of affairs. But the whole of the second half was um, scrappy as hell. And we were saying, John, weren't we? Like, is it both teams defending well and kind of nullifying the other? Or, you know, have we just stopped them playing and brought them down to our level? Or is it just that kind of our attacking play is incredibly predictable? Ford Ford was very laboured. I mean, he, he's clearly got a delivery that we that we saw and multiple times throughout the game, but it was it was very laboured from a from a number of players. And I just think that it, it just didn't feel right. There were players were far away from each other in terms of their positioning. I felt Fleetwood ran out of energy in terms of keeping their press high up in the second half. Yeah. But we weren't then responding to that. And our, we were still trying to play our system when Mackie was miles away from the three behind him. Henry was doing all, all he could, but there was no ability to link the play up because Gorin and Brannigan were sort of being pressed very, very high. And, and Gorin didn't have a good game um, at all, which showed why he was subbed. And he can't have a good game every game. No, I think he's been very good so far. So it was a very mixed bag, but we didn't shift it up to, which we'll we'll touch on later on. Yeah. 
I suppose we didn't actually mention the goal we scored, which is bad. Ben, have you watched that back? Yeah, I saw that back. I thought it was uh, it was well worked. I think it's a powerful header. I think it's good to see that we've got someone who's actually willing to throw themselves at the ball from a corner. I know we've lacked that, given your stats about uh, how many corners we've had <laughs> and lack of goals. So, uh, no, I think yeah. it's... Uh, it's good that we've got that height at centre-back and he's uh, he's capable in the box at both ends. That's right. I'm still not counting that as a goal from a corner, though, because it's like the second or third phase. But, you know, the the main thing about the kind of persisting with the 4-2-3-1 formation, a lot of the kind of the Oxford fans on Twitter seem to be talking about that. Like, why? yeah, why are we persisting with it? And I was I was saying it to someone earlier on, like the the formation can work if... Like a less onus is put on the left and right midfielders as being kind of a def- having that as like a defensive role. Like we needed to see them further up the pitch and being a bit more positive. And you need your centre forward to be more mobile, and you need the kind of play to revolve around them playing in behind the back line and play- players moving off him or bouncing off him. We were saying that the whole way through as well, John, weren't we? Like there's no one near Mackie. So, A, why are we punting it in the air towards him in the first place? And B, even if you're putting it into his feet with his back to goal, he's got no one, yeah, no one to kind of lay it off to. You could see Henry and Brannigan both going searching for the ball because fair play to them, they wanted to get their foot on the ball and make something happen. But that shouldn't, in a system like that, which relies on everyone knowing exactly their role and playing it to a T, they shouldn't be doing that kind of thing. And it breaks down because of that result. Yeah. And when we did seem to get the ball down the wing into positive areas, when that yeah, when that did happen, we weren't flooding the box. We were kind of like you would look around and just say, "You can see there's no one there. You know the ball's coming in." It was just really frustrating. Um, Unless we work a player like Cadden in down the side, which we did once, which led to a, a decent chance. If the wide players can't take someone on, so Ford, he he can buy a yard and put a decent ball in, but he can't take someone on per se. Baptiste was never going to take someone on in that position and I don't blame him for that. So it, it's a system that relies on having exactly the right players doing exactly the right things and the two Hollywood fielders allowing one of them to sit and the other one to go forward. So it's a high it's one that it's a system that I think can be picked off quite easily and teams like Coventry, Burton can just be a bit more tighter, be less expansive and shut us down quite easily in my opinion. Yeah. Um there was a point in the second half where we, we turned to each other and we said one all does feel fair now. I think that was just based on the game just turning into a massive scrappy-do fest. Uh, we were saying to each other, why aren't we changing up and making positive changes? And we referenced that earlier, but Fosu and um, Aji were on the bench. As you said, Gorin had a terrible game, came off for Hansen kind of midway through the second half and KR called out Gorin after the game. But he did say he's done a great job for me thus far, but he had a shocker today. Long then came on for Baptiste, and we were just there saying, "Where's how is this going to change the game in a positive way? KR then said it, the reasons why those subs were made because of niggles and injuries and fitness and that type of thing. But you could, you know, we didn't feel, apart from James Henry, it didn't feel like there was any way we were going to kind of create an opening or any player was going to create an opening um, in that second half. So, yeah, frustrating one. The only other highlight that I had. I took a note of there was a, a nice moment when there was just a goalkeeper pile up when Eastwood came came up for a free kick near the end. He just kind of challenged, what's the keeper, the Lincoln keeper? Oh, sorry, Lincoln. God, Jilks. 
used to play for Lincoln. Yeah, Jilts. Yeah. That was it. Eastwood just challenged him and they just had a nice like patty of goalkeeper on the pitch for a bit and Eastie pretended he was injured so he could actually sprint back and get in his goal. So Well there was quite a bit of action on the um oh, I nearly said Lincoln goalkeeper myself <laughs> on the goalkeeper as well because I noticed at a corner Mackie was uh, tickling his bum and uh <laughs> swirling his finger in a in a place you don't want to see a finger being swirled. Now I don't know if that's Mackie's uh standard tactics but I've sort thought and thought Mackie, you need to focus on the game. And, uh, well, I don't know what he was doing, but it didn't work anyway. No. But enough of that cutting analysis for... <laughs> Thumb swirling section. Yeah, Very nice. Exactly. Uh, so, reaction. Uh, KR, I think Chris Williams was saying yellow player. Look, we're down there again, Carl. Um, KR's response was lots of, you know, lots of transition in the squad. We've lost our rhythm, lost our discipline. Um, talked about people kind of switching off in the box and saying the, that we had control at different points in time. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I was also, the one thing that stood out was when Chris asked about conceding from set pieces as well. And Carl said, well, look, it's not the setup, as in I've done my bit, winkety-wink, um, and it's now down to the players. And there is, you know, kind of fair enough, but... I don't know. You can put yourself in his shoes and it, it must be frustrating that we... It's not necessarily the first phase of a set piece. It's always the second that we just don't seem mobile enough or have that urgency to get out to the ball to stop something from happening. But yeah, I don't know. Has anyone else heard anything else? We obviously didn't hear all of the um, the feedback after the game. No, I didn't. To be honest, I didn't really listen to it. I was pissed off. Um <laughs> It's, it's one of them, you can kind of see it coming, to be honest. And obviously, I wasn't at the game, but from following it, what, what I did on Twitter and, and the things I saw, you, you could just see we weren't going to get a great deal from it. Um, and it's just, I don't know, it, it feels a bit like Groundhog Day, to be honest. Well, it is very similar to last season now in terms of games and points and that type of thing. Um, before we move on, to talking about what's gone on around League One, where are people at with KR now, Ben? Um, I'm definitely still in the still in the mindset that he should be the manager. I certainly don't think we should make any rash decisions at this point. I think it would just cause more problems and it'll fix. But I think def- things are definitely different this season. Last season we didn't have as good a squad, uh, so if a new manager came in outside the transfer window, probably wouldn't have been able to do too much different. And a lot of what got us through in the end was this drive of the team, you know, people throwing themselves at the ball, working hard, quick on their feet. And from what you guys have said, is that if that's lacking, then that, that's, a, that's a very worrying sign. And we've got a better group of players this season, a bit more quality. We're still missing one or two. But could a new manager come in with a better set of tools and have more positive results? Quite possibly. Uh, I think it certainly don't make a change now, but... We can't wait forever. If we're still in this position in four, five, six, seven games, I think a lot of questions will start to be asked of him. Yeah. Andy? Uh, yeah, I think there's a very good point made by Ben. Uh, we've still got the same manager, but we've got a, probably a, on paper a better group of players and he just doesn't seem to be able to get any more out of those players. Um, it feels... 
it just feels like he's a bit like Pep Fatet, where regardless of whether we lose, he'll stand there and say, well, yeah, it's kind of is what it is. We played well, but we just didn't have that cutting edge. And he's the only person that's going to get that cutting edge out of those people. Do the, does his tactics need to change? Does his attitude need to change? I think the board have put themselves in a very difficult position by giving him this three-year deal yeah. um, on the back of achieving nothing other than 10 or so decent games towards the back end of last season. There, there must be, I don't know, there, there has to be some sort of clause in there. Otherwise, somebody's going to have to have a lot of money in their bank to, to pay this compensation. I think Ben's probably right. We don't want to make any rash decisions, but how long do you give the, how long do you give the guy? He's had, he's had a, all of last season, and he's had the obviously the start of this season. I th- everyone goes on about this benchmark of ten games. Well, we're sort of what two games away from that. Um, if if we if we lose to Tranmere at the weekend, we're going to be interesting to see how people react. I know Zaki obviously puts me out as well on the, on Twitter after the game yesterday in response to some people's um, tweets saying that. Basically, we need to stick behind the team, and and things will get better. But didn't he reference um, Peterborough and Warsaw in that tweet? And he said Peterborough started, you know, had nineteen points or something, and were top of the league, didn't make the playoffs. And then he said Warsaw were right up there and ended up getting relegated. So everyone chill yeah, out. I mean, or it, nothing. He said the table doesn't make it matter at this point in the season. It matters whether you're at one game or 45 games into the season, we are where we are and the table doesn't lie. You don't win. You don't, you don't get promoted. You don't, you're not successful by losing games or drawing games. We, we just, we can't, we can't string a, a run of games together where we're, we're scoring regularly, we're winning regularly and we're never going to go anywhere if we just carry on as we are. So questions need to be asked to the manager um, very soon. Um, It'd be interesting to see where we are after ten games. Zaki has to stand there and defend his manager because he, he, it'd be wrong for him to condemn him. But it's uh, it's just we're what I think we're one place outside the relegation zone. I think it's three points, um, three points out the relegation zone, and that's not where you want to be at any get any point of the season. It's just deja vu. We were there up for the majority of last season, and I, I don't want to be there again. Yeah, yeah, um, John. We were saying that when you look at some of the teams we played, like Burton, Bristol, Rovers, Fleetwood, Coventry, I, st- I think Coventry is, is, have a similar type of squad to us, we were saying, but it is, you know, concerning that we're not able to kind of pick up some of the points, even at this early stage in the season. So, anything to add, John? I think, both Ben and Andy have made very good points. I mean, yeah. I, I've not, I've long not been a, a huge fan of and I think we're seeing the same patterns emerge again in terms of comments, how the team plays. We're still playing the same way for nearly 18 months now. I don't I don't count the the run at the end of last season whilst it was whilst it was positive and, and got us out of a hole. I think it papered out it was a different environment to be playing football in. So that in sense what has been achieved, which is the point Andy's made, clearly he can bring in good players. Clearly, I think the players do play for him as well, but it comes down to can he change games to do enough to win them? And I was struck by the conversation that Danny Cowley and Gareth Ainsworth had on Quest yeah. on the on the highlights where they were both being interviewed on the pitch and they both talked about how 
well, Danny, you changed it, so then I changed it. Gareth, you changed it, so then I changed it. And I didn't see from that game and from others that I've seen that we ever really do change the approach that fundamentally throughout the game. So absolutely agree on no rash decisions. And I think Carl's got something. I, I, I no doubt he's a good coach and there's elements there, but I don't think he's the long term. And I think a three-year contract, take away Carl Robinson from the point, you just wouldn't give anyone a three-year contract. And if we do need to get rid of him, it's going to cost us a lot. But we have got a good base of players on paper and we've seen from some performances can be pulled together to do something quite impressive. So something's there, but Andy said it as well. We've ne- we've not strung together consistent runs for as long as he's been in as a manager. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the thing about Danny Cow- Cowley and Gareth Ainsworth because I watched that as well. And I had a sense of... Um, jealous like envy and jealousy yeah because they both spoke so well and with such kind of a authenticity about them and that is a word that i don't put against kr i think he has a front and he he just presents himself in a certain way and i just i really enjoy listening to danny cowley and ainsworth because i, I believe I, I believe what they're saying they're honest guys they set up their teams in honest ways. The players absolutely play for them. And they, as you said, John, they change their shape. They react and they, they you know, they, they try other things. That is, you know, I, I honestly feel like if we don't start looking at other options, moving away from that 4-2-3-1, taking away the onus on someone like Jamie Mackey. And even when Matt Taylor comes in, he he might not be the answer. If, if I'm Matt Taylor looking at that, I'm going, oh my God, is, is, is it all on me, this? Because Matt Taylor wouldn't have made a difference on Saturday in the game we watched. He would have been starved of the ball. Uh, there, was, there was nobody working between the lines, so it wouldn't have made a massive difference. Yeah. KR plays games whenever he talks to the media. Those guys were just straight down the line, you know, minding their P's and Q's and, you know, yeah. following the media training, I'm sure, but just being a lot more to the point and answering the question as much as it needed an answer, whereas KR will answer three questions beyond that. Exactly that. Oh, <laughs> this has been quite a depressing. Again, I really can't wait till we win a game, and we're, we've had a couple of good wins, and I expect the tone to be on the up. Hopefully, going forward. Right, should we start talking about League One and what else happened? John, you can do that for us. Yeah, I think conscious of time. I think I'll just look at. Where we stand, we're obviously one point off the bottom. You're starting to see the table settle down a little bit more. Wickham, Coventry, probably the surprise teams that come out there. There's a couple of really good goals in the Coventry-Blackpool game that I'd I'd recommend watching. Um, But I think ultimately there wasn't a huge number of surprises beyond the Wickham score against Lincoln, which I think was quite telling. I watched the Tranmere highlights with interest and that probably feeds into what Andy will talk about and they didn't look too too promising a team, quite quite open and quite sort of a lack of quality. Uh, so, so overall, I mean, we, we're not in a good space as the table shows. We, we've shipped quite a few goals and we've played more games than, than most. We've played seven and the majority are on five or, or six uh, above us. So we're, we're three points clear from AFC Wimbledon. It's far too early in the season I suppose to be talking about things like that but again we haven't got a particularly easy run of games coming up so 
I think um, I think it's easiest just to look straight to Tranmere, really. Yeah, I, I don't generally. But I, this is not the season to, the, to get relegated either, is it? By the way, <laughs> like if there was every year where it's going to be really easy not to get relegated, it's this year. So, but it's more about the fact that we should be looking up the table and really pushing for the playoffs with the squad that we've got. And the, the long, the longer this run goes on, the harder that's obviously going to be. Right, you are right. Let's let's let Andy chat to us about Tranmere. So yeah, Tranmere. Um, we haven't actually played them that many times. Um, I think we've only played them four times since two two thousand fourteen. Um, we've won two of those. We've drawn one, and they've lost one. I think. Um, does that make sense? We've lost one. I don't know whether we've lost one, but yeah, no, sorry. Yeah, we've drawn, we've won, yeah, we've won two, drawn one, and lost one. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, so, the last results, I'm only looking back at the league here, really. So, Tramway have drawn two, lost one, and won one. Um, uh, interestingly, their win was against Bolton, a 5 0 win, mm-hmm. believe it or not. Um, whether that again, we've spoken about that in the past. Whether that result will make a difference later on in the league, we'll have to see. Because I know we play them this season, isn't it? Oh, this this month, sorry. Yeah. Um, and uh, compared to our our results, we've uh, we've lost four, and drawn one. Um, we Tramier currently seven. We did see. Yeah. Um, sorry, we saw David Flickcroft at Fleetwood collecting his collecting a ticket from the ticket collection booth. So he was scouting. He's the assistant manager to Keith Hill mm. at Bolton. So he'll obviously be watching us. Mm. So. That was after I nearly ended up in the uh, home end standing rather than the away end. But <laughs> That's correct. That was a cock up for another day. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tranmere currently 17th. We're 20th. Um, stats, bit of a bit of a stats corner so far. Um, Tranmere have won one game, drawn two games and lost three. Um, they've scored six goals from open play three from set pieces um, and they've had one goal gifted to them from uh, an own goal, uh, giving them 10 in total. Um, they've had 5.3 shots on target per match. Um, they've scored 1.7 goals per game um, and conceded 1.7 goals per game. They've had 12 yellow cards and three red. Ooh, um, feisty. Yeah, they're a bit of a naughty team. <laughs> Bit Very precise stats as well. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I don't know quite. I'm not. A, I'm not a stat, statistician myself, but um, I will openly admit I've got those stats from somewhere else. I've not made them up myself. <laughs> I don't think you'd be um, calculator bashing on the. <laughs> no, uh, maths. Maths is not my strong subject, to be honest. So. You, did you guys see the Oxford stats? There's like an Oxford United stats. Twitter account now. Yeah, I've seen that. It's been up for a couple of weeks, hasn't it? So I didn't spot it until yesterday, yeah. but I, I I messaged the guy or the girl and said, um, I'm I'm delighted that they're doing that because it means obviously we can maybe rely on them a little bit to get some useful stuff out. It's <laughs> good. Maybe that's where I got my stats from. <laughs> or maybe not. Um right, so compared to us, obviously we've won one game, drawn two and lost four. Um, we scored seven goals from open play, uh, one from set pieces, uh, two. We've been gifted two goals from uh, own goals, thanks to ex Swindon player. <laughs> and uh, again, we've scored we've scored ten in total as well. So fairly similar on on the the goal side of things. 
Um, <clears throat> our shots are slightly less on target. Uh, our, shot, our shots per game on target per game. Sorry, so we've got three point four. Um, we score one point four goals per game, um, and two point one goals conceded per game. So just near enough two goals per game, which is a bit of a worry, to be honest. Yeah, that for them that Bolton game is going to be chucking all their stats all over the place, isn't it? To be fair, yeah, I mean they're not really a real. It's not really a, a realistic uh, gauge of where they're at because they've obviously had those five goals basically gifted to them from playing Bolton um, when they're in a bit of bother. So yeah, um, you take from that what you will. Um, I think if you even if you take that away, we've probably had a a fairly similar start to the season. It's just they've they've had um a, a better run i guess um so players to watch from bolton sorry bolton bolton on the mind from tranmere um connor jennings uh, midfield midfielder um is their top scorer with three goals um and he's got the team's highest average player rating he's, he's started most of their games i think um in the past so he's, he's he knows where the back of the net is and he obviously is quite astute um when it comes to uh playing the ball um stefan payne uh signed on a free from bristol rovers um he scored two goals in five games um both coming in his last two games um he's got a decent record in league one to be fair um not so much when he's he's played in the championship but he's got not got a bad uh goal scoring record in league uh in league one um and i think he's quite determined to obviously re- repay Mickey Mellon for putting a, a lot of faith in him and, and taking him on to be honest and I think he's around 28 so he's probably a good age to be honest he's obviously wants to impress um <clears throat> couple of because we are not, it's not an away day it's obviously a home game we haven't got my little uh pub section to go through so we'll have a little <laughs> couple of fun fun facts just to lead me on to um uh, Andy Dent we'll we'll hand over to Andy Dent um so Tranmere Rovers 13-4 win against Oldham Athletic is still a football league record scoreline. Oh, what a game. Wow. Uh, what a game, yeah. Not for Oldham, not so much for Oldham, but my boss is actually an Oldham fan, so I might speak to, I'll, I might put that little stat under his nose tomorrow. <laughs> see if he remembers it. Um and Tranmere played a Czech Army eleven at Prenton Park during World War Two, raising money for the uh, Spitfire Fund. Transformed the Allied fortunes. That's that's pretty cool stat, if I'm honest. Uh, we, I like I like a Spitfire. So nice. I'm just glad they haven't got that um, Norwood guy. He signed for Ipswich, didn't he? Yeah, so. d- d- yeah, that's right. Yeah, no. But that will come and he'll be playing against us at some stage, won't he? But, yeah, I think it'll be a fairly well. I I wouldn't like to put a bet on it to be honest on the, on the game. I think it. Obviously, they've had a, a similar start to the season. We all know the start to the season we've had. It'll, it'll come down to who wants it more on the on the day, I guess. Um, it's huge. I don't, it's a huge yeah. game already. Like It feels ridiculous to be... This is our eighth game of the season. It feels massive. It feels like we have to win, basically. So yeah, I wouldn't say it's a must-win. I don't think it's a must-win. We're not at that stage of the season. But I think for Carl Robinson to take some of the heat off him, he needs to get a result. He needs to show that he can get the result out of the players. Um, it's a home game. I don't think crowds will be massive, to be honest. I think as fans, we're, we're, we're quite fickle. We go when we're, we we go when we're playing well, um, and we don't when we're not. Um, that's just how it is. Um, 
I think it's not a stick or twist. I don't. I, I don't think it's time for changing up the squad massively. I think you try and stick with the same or a similar starting team. I think he might mentioned that um, Taylor might be back. Um, I think he is. He is training again. The injury is not quite as bad as everybody first thought. So I think Taylor might be back in the squad. Um, <clears throat> it's uh, it's just a tough one to call. I I want. I obviously want Oxford to win, but just based on past performances it's going to be a tall order but uh well let's go let's just go like let's go neutral i think it'll probably be it's not i don't think it'll be a high scoring game i think maybe 1-1 one, one. i was going to say 1-1 one, one. john i think we'll win this one um and i say relatively comfortable comfortably it looks like they do score so a quick look at how many they've scored 10 conceded 10 and scoring 10 is more than most teams above them have done. But I, I think we the quality at home will come through. You could see a Brannigan Fossey type getting getting hold of it. So I, I'm I'm actually fairly confident that we'll we'll win this game. Nice. Like the I like the positivity, John. I like it. Ben? Uh I'm gonna go two one and that's solely my heart and not my head. <laughs> to Oxford or Tramere. <laughs> to us. Well <laughs> <laughs> I like the positive. We were split down the middle there. So, do we think? Do we think a draw would be a reasonable result? Do you think that that's no. good enough, no, or do we think we need a win? Need a win. Absolutely. There's no way our fans will be again all over KR um, and the team as well if we don't come away from that game with a win. Unless unless we go two nil down and come back to two all or something like that, mm. or we get a red card early on and manage to dig out a draw. Otherwise, mm. we have to win. Yeah, no, agreed. Um, so yeah, that's the uh, that's the trend. Me, I haven't really got anything pub related to speak about. I know a couple. Sound of really upset ago, about that. The Blackbird. I know. I, we, yeah, <laughs> the Blackbird. I was all up for talking. I like I like going through the, the away days, but then realised it's a home game. So yeah, I know. Obviously, Jay's Sports Bar. I know that's. A, <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's let's go to Jay's Sports Bar because it's a nominated uh, a nominated bar, and we don't have the prior anymore. So let's let's go and support Jay's Sports Bar. <laughs> I think, it's time, to, I think it's time to hand over to yourself, Andy. <laughs> yeah, let's <laughs> hand over to myself. Andy Dent. What a legend. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll whiz through this. Um, you're all probably fed up listening to me. Uh, with her on so here we go Saturday the 8th of September 1979 for all our if we have any new listeners that so we like to go through a couple of things so we'll we'll pick out a, a fact from uh, this this day what, what, whatever year it was and then we'll have a little bit of miscellany that likes to uh, cook up a, a, a few interesting tidbits but this one's from Saturday the 8th of September 1979 Oxford beat Reading 4-0 to go second in the table and leave the Biscuit Men at the foot of the third division. The Biscuit Men is that Biscuit their nickname? Men. The Royals. The, the Biscuit Men. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I've never heard that one before, but hey, there you go. Every day's a school day. Um, yeah, so to lead the Biscuit Men at the foot of the third division, Paul Berry put United ahead with a header from Ray Graydon. Uh, oh, sorry, Graydon Cross. Graydon scored twice. The second penalty after Joe Cook had been fouled by Chris Sparks and David Fogg scored the other goal, beating Steve. 
Steve Death with a left-footed drive. Steve Death. What a name, eh? <laughs> um, the attendance was 5,905. This is United's best win over the Berkshire rivals. This was United's third meeting with Reading already this season, having lost in both legs of the League Cup first round in August. So there you go. If any, anybody knows the uh, history behind the Biscuit Men um, name, then let us know on our, our Twitter account, because I've never heard that. No. Um, okay, so I'm going to do the the flicky thing this time. So uh, I don't think uh, Ben, go on, Ben. When when you're ready, stay stop. Stop. Oof. Uh, left or right page? Left. Left. Top or bottom? Top. Top. Uh, have we had this one before? Oh, we've had this one. We have. Oh, we've no had this way. one before. This, yeah, this is the one about on the buses where obviously uh, oh. they got left in the in the changing room. So we'll have to go again, Ben. So whenever you're ready, say stop again. Stop. Prime radio. Left. Or, left, yeah. uh, left or right? Please say left. Top left. <laughs> Top left. Okay. <laughs> Fools, mate. I'm glad you said that because the one on the uh, on the right is a full page spread. Um, so, <laughs> fools, mate. In February 1993, Oxford United played a different kind of match. Oof, interesting. At the London Simpsons Sim Tournament, the U's challenged chess grandmaster Gary Kasparov for, to a game of chess. Kasparov was white. Have we had this one as well? No. No, no, no. No? I thought we had. I thought we had this one in the first pod. Um, Kasparov was white and began with the Bishops opening against Oxford United's Berlin defence. Gary Smart was United's main uh, protagonist, but he had no answer to Kasparov's genius and the U's found themselves checkmated after 26 moves. I think we have had that one. No, we haven't. We put up a guy called Gary Smart. (laughs) 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 That's just not smart. I would love to know the background behind that. Is it why? Why do that? There you go. Right. So, yeah, there you go. That's uh, that's you're feeling enlightened for the week going forward. Ben, I don't think your lag is bad today. Should we should we do the Wayo test? If you want. Boom boom boom. Let me hear you say Wayo. Wayo. Okay. Oof. Still a little bit Wayo. there. But anyway, this will is make Connor the, the uh, is, is it Connor's fault? I'm not sure. Anyway, it might make the quiz interesting. So let's move let's, on. Let's think in time. <laughs> yeah. Well, part of my thinking for this quiz was to try and minimise the impact of the delay. <laughs> so what I want you gentlemen to do is. It's based on Oxford players. Who's played for us? But specifically, who's played for us? Whose surname begins with a certain letter? So what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to give you a letter of the alphabet and you have 60 seconds. You're going to take it in turns. We have 60 seconds to list as many players you can think of (laughs) whose surname begins with that letter. Wow. So the way the points will work, if you just give me their surname you'll get half a point. Their full name, you'll get a full point. So if the letter was A, and you said Allsop, you'll get half a point. You said John Aldridge, you'll get a full point. Simple enough? Understood. So, Andy, you're first alphabetically. So, to pick your letter, 
Can you give me a number? Either one, two, or three. Two. Two. You have selected C for Charlie. <laughs> so, I can't think of any players beginning with C. I'm going to give you a countdown, and then you have 60 seconds to name as many players <laughs> whose name begins with C. I believe, <laughs> and this may be wrong, that there are 78. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Sorry, so, sir, is this surname? Surname. Ben? Yes, their surname begins with this letter. But I want you get a full point if you give me their full name. But the player's surname has to link with the letter of the alphabet you've been given. So again, if it's letter A, John Aldridge, because his surname begins with A. So Andy, C for Charlie, 60 seconds. Your time starts now. Ryan Clark. Mm. Correct. Ryan Clark. <laughs> <laughs> this is hard. This is hard on the spot. Um, I'm trying to make you think that I'm not going to say James Constable. I'm going to say James Constable. <laughs> um, oh, see, see, there's, there's see. one in the team now, Andy. Ah, oh, doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Thirty seconds. Oh, um, ah. Uh, Just 76 to go. <laughs> oh, it's got to be a Cooper. Cooper. Um, Time's up. Oh, God. Is that a, is I that don't a duck? believe there was a... It was a duck. I just chose duck because I thought it was funny. <laughs> I was just, just going to start reeling off random names and I must surely have got some eventually, but I kind of that, that came along too long. Too, too, too long into the quiz. Cooper was not one. Obviously, <laughs> Ryan Clark and James Constable were ones. Uh, other ones you could have. Uh, Chris Cadden. Oh, of Yeah, that's the C. It's, this is difficult because you know, your mind goes blank, but recently, Canis Carroll, Chris yeah. Carruthers. Yeah. Max Crocom. Yeah, Mark Creighton. The list is not oh, quite endless. Oh. Long enough. So, Andy, you get two points. Strong, strong. Set the benchmark. Right. Well, it is a benchmark. Uh, James, you're next alphabetically. Can you give me either one or three? Uh, three. Yours is B for Bravo. So I want you to name as many players whose surname begins with the letter B. In 60 seconds, your time starts now. Joey Beecham. That's, I think that's probably me done. That's, uh, oh God. For some reason, I, oh, hang on. This doesn't count. <laughs> This is horrible, guys. I can't. I literally can't think. Bull, sorry, George Bulldog. Do we have any now? Brannigan. Uh, Callum. <laughs> Brannigan. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. You're not having that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Ten yeah. seconds. No, I just, I just can't. I just can't think. 
Can't do the on-the-spot pressure. The duck has quacked. Go on then, name me some others. I don't know why I, sp- I, don't know why I spent so long writing all these names down. <laughs> down four or five. Where did you uh, get the duck so from? So you've got Bulldog. Where did you get the duck from? It's on, uh, it's on my iPhone. Uh, so I've got Beach, Beach <laughs> and Bulldog, basically. But... Beach and Bulldog. Uh, other ones you could have had Billy currently Byrne. playing? Obviously, the Brannigan. Oh, Wes Burns would have been one as well. Yeah, uh, Shandon Baptiste. Oh, for God's sake! Terrible. Kevin Burko. <laughs> uh, I scribbled. I, I, really I scribbled diff- Paul Berry because Andy mentioned it uh, about ten minutes ago. <laughs> uh, Dexter Blackstock. Benji Bouchel. Oh, of course, Benji. Benji he's gonna be. He's gonna be furious. That I haven't remembered him. <laughs> yeah, and and all the other all the other players with Benjamin in the name that I'm very disappointed that you didn't get. Hang on, but it was just their surname, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but Benjamin Bouchel, there's another player whose name was, uh, surname was Benjamin. True. Oh, well. Declan Benjamin, there you go. Declan Benjamin, okay. Right. John, uh, three to three to win the whole lot. <laughs> and your letter is H for hotel. Your 60 seconds to name as many players whose surname begins with H starts now. Have we got any current ones? Uh, yes is the answer to that. Ricky Holmes. Chris Hargreaves, because I can see his autobiography in my room right now. Cheat. Massive cheat. <laughs> Think um, about the guy, the only guy that's like... Danny Hilton. Danny Hilton. His shots on target for the current team. Uh, Jamie Hansen. Oh, not him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Robbie Hall, Robbie Hall. Not, not him. him. 20 seconds. Uh, Wayne Hatswell, the mighty Wayne Hatswell. Why is that coming to my head? Um, it's a type of Hoover, a little red one. <laughs> what? A little uh, red Hoover. <laughs> Leave him alone. <laughs> I think you've thrown me now. The duck has quacked. James Henry. Oh, fucking hell. James, James Henry. Henry. I was just miles away when you started saying that. Oh, but you did do better and you at least named <laughs> two of the current players as opposed to naught. <laughs> I feel like so we, we should cut this whole section out. <laughs> pretty embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's well, all well good. John, John, you did very well. You got six players. Wow. Uh, others you could have got. Recent players. Asa Hall. Kane Asa Hemmings. Hall. Heslop. Yeah, Simon Heslop. David Hunt. James Hunt. James Hunt. I had a soft spot for him. don't know why. He was rubbish. I thought he was a racing driver. He was, yeah. There, is, there was a David Hunt as well, though, wasn't there? Yeah, there was. Yeah, there was. Yeah, yeah. Was yeah. Back, wasn't yeah. yeah. Well, if you'd have got different letters, maybe the results would have been different. Yeah, but, John, that's... you are the winner. Uh, Beautiful. The fit. I think that puts John into the lead of the quizzes. Scores on the door. Mm. I guess Connor's now not here. He's missed one now. So Connor might have smashed that. Yeah, it's like the Bolton thing, isn't it? Does he Is he at a disadvantage? It's a long old season. Like, yeah. can, I do it? can I do it on a cold winter's uh, night? <laughs> we'll see. Well, God, it's been an hour and 20 minutes. What? I don't know how we've spoken for that long. It's been quite a depressing one. Mm. And 
yeah. So we'll, uh, we'll get back to the hour focus, I think, moving forward. For but sure. There was definite need to discuss certainly things around KR, for example, particularly after this poor run. Five 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 losses is is worthy of a longer discussion in my book, I reckon. Anyway, I expect we'll probably need a KR section for the upcoming pods um, if form doesn't go on the up. So we'll see. But we should be back after the Tranmere game um, this time next week. So anyone that has managed to listen for a full one hour and 20 minutes, thanks for listening. Thanks for persisting with us. And we'll see you next week. Cheers. 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 Okay. See you soon.